I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. Great to have you today. I have a question for you. What is in a name? I think Shakespeare asked that one time. And you know, in our culture in the West, I mean, we know names sort of have meanings. We look it up when, when kids are born, but that doesn't mean a whole lot after that. But in many ancient cultures, and many cultures still today, names actually have significant meanings to a person's life. Uh, and no exception with uh, ancient Israel. Uh, and, and in fact, God had names. Why? What do they mean? And what significance do they have to us today? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. There's a book that just dropped in January. It's called To Know Him by Name, and it's written by Rabbi Kurt Schneider, uh, whom I consider now a friend, and I'm excited to have him back on the program. I always learn good things when he's on. So, you're invited to be a part of this conversation, listen, and learn some good things like I do. Rabbi, great to see you again. How are you? Brother, God bless you. I'm doing well, my friend. I love the intro to your show. That's really upbeat, man. That'll pick up your spirits. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, new. that's new this year. Uh, and I, I, yeah, we kind of had some debates about it. People are like, like, that's disco. I'm like, you know, I just like it. So anyway, I'm glad you yeah. like it. Um, I like, I like the title of your new book. I like the subject of your new book. Uh, and you know, some of these things I've known growing up in the church, but a lot of them, um, yeah, I didn't know. And I think most people don't know. Give us a little bit of an overview so we can get an idea of the significance of the message in this book. Yep, as he said, it's to know him by name, but the subtitle of the book really describes what the content of the book is about. It's discovering the Hebrew names and titles of God. And God has a personal name. And so I'm going to kind of start at the beginning and develop this whole concept of where I go and to know him by name. And we begin in the, in the, in, in the first verse of the scriptures where it says, in the beginning, God... The Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. And Elohim is the plural form of the word El. And El means God. So Elohim is God plural. Hmm. It's interesting also to note that the Israelites were not the only ones. The Hebrews were not the only ones that were, were referring to their God as El. Even some pagan nations referred to their God as El. But when the Creator introduced Himself in the pages of Scripture through the writers of Scripture, it says, in the beginning, Elohim, not just El, but El plural, Elohim. Whenever you add Im onto the end of a Hebrew word, it makes that word uh, plural uh, from the singular form. Yeah. And so why would the Creator introduce Himself as Elohim in the plural, God in the plural? Two reasons. Number one, when you add Im on the end of a word, it like it's an accent mark. It like stands out. But the other thing that's really interesting is that when we continue in the biblical text, it says, the Lord said, let us, and so I'm drawing attention now to the word us, mm -hmm. he said, let us make man in our, I'm drawing attention to the word our, our image. So here's Elohim, God in the plural form, 
And then he speaks, he said, let us make man in our image. So what is, what is this all about? It, it almost sounds like, oh, is there more than one God? Elohim, plural, and then us and our, plural, in relationship. But the key to the mystery here is, not only is Elohim the one God, that's why it's Im, making him stand out, but also, and this is what I love, uh, Randy, the mystery of the fact that there's relationship within the Godhead, let us, there's relationship within God, make man in our image, and that you and I have been called into relationship, get this now, this is far out, with an us. God is community. There's community within the Godhead. The Son's in the bosom of the Father, right? The Son has always been in the bosom of the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, who's always been in the Father's bosom. God is love, and we know that by definition, love needs an object, and the Son has always been the object of the Father's attention. So this is a huge mystery, but I want to just kind of recap two main points that I really want us to think about. Number one, that God is an us. Let us make man in our image. And what I love about that is that when we sometimes approach life, we look at kind of an us versus them mentality. You know, it's, it's we're, we're separate from whoever we're talking to. But in the Godhead, it's not a separateness, but it's community. Let us make man in our image. So I think the practical application there is, like if I'm speaking with somebody, it's not them and me as two separate entities, it's us. We're together now, we're us because God loves community, unity. And then the other thing that's just an incredible mystery there is that people say, for example, an, a, a, an argument from traditional Judaism against those of us that believe in the nature, the triune nature of the Godhead, hmm. that the God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, traditional Jews would say, you know, the difference between you and us, one of the differences is that you believe in three gods. You, you believe in a Father, you believe in a Son, you believe in a Holy Spirit. We just believe that there's one God. But here's the thing that 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 is really incredible to point out in relationship to this discussion of the dynamic nature of the Godhead, is that just as we can't understand, it's mentally, cognitively impossible for us to understand that God has always been. We cannot grasp right. that there is a being that has always been. That's impossible to us. We ask ourselves, but where did he come from? Mm -hmm. Our mind cannot grasp that he came from nothing and nowhere, that he has always been. And in the same way that we can't grasp that God has always been, he didn't come from anywhere, in the same way we can't grasp the mystery of the multidimensional nature of the Godhead, that within God, <clears throat> there is relationship. I, I gotta admit that the, the Trinity is one of those stumpers in a sense, because it, it, it is hard to, to get. Is there any parallel you think in the way we're created in the image of God and in the idea that we are body, mind, and spirit, three different things, but in one being? Is that, do you think that's accurate? Well, I think the, um, the, 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 the number, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the biblical numerology where we have, for example, in the temple, right? The inner court, the outer court, and then the, you know, the Holy, Holy of Holies. Holies. Yeah. Um, the, we have these different compartments 
many, many threes in the scripture. Um, but in terms of the uh, multidimensional nature of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, <clears throat> and I think for me where I would struggle with, with, with that, as you're saying, is not so much the multidimensional nature of the Godhead in relation to the Father and the Son, because there's so much scripture that um, helps us to see that, that the Son uh, has known the Father, that the Father you know, knows the Son, that the Son came to do the work of the Father, that the Son exists to be the Father's servant. We see that, na that, that relationship so much in the New Testament and even in the Hebrew Scriptures where God sends forth His Son. But it's harder to see that relationship with the Spirit and the Father and the Son. We just don't have as much Scripture to see that the Holy Spirit is a separate person. So the scriptures that speak about the Holy Spirit being a separate person are, for example, in both the Hebrew Bible and the Brikadashah, our New Testament, we have scriptures that we grieve the Spirit. So the Spirit is a person. But I don't want to get hung up on that right now because the book is about the Hebrew names and titles of God. And simply to say that Elohim, the first title of the, uh, the way that God has given mankind as creator, is a is a term that implies a uh, multi-dimensional nature yeah. of who he is. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Let's let's move on to something that I can grasp a little easier <laughs> because yeah, yeah, there yeah. are many. And I think I don't know. I, I speculate that maybe that's this is why we have these different names. Uh, you know, we know some Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Rafa, things like that. Um, what what do those show us right. is it simply his characters or more than that it's definitely it's a huge amount more than that <laughs> so the lord reveals his true name because because elohim is not a name elohim is a title elohim right. is god that's a title but the lord revealed his personal name in exodus 3 and then again in exodus 6 we call in hebrew shemot and so for example the Lord said in Exodus uh, 6, verse 2 and 3, God spoke further to Moses and said, Elohim spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, mm -hmm. God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh, yud heh vav -Heh, they did not know me. And this name, Yahweh, yud heh vav -Heh, is often comes referred to as the Tetragrammaton. And the Lord said, this is my memorial name forever. And the covenant that he made with mankind through Moses was made in his name. Now, here's the, here's the thing that's, that's interesting. We hear the name Jehovah. You know, we've heard that, uh, that song, you know, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. My, you know, my God is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for me. This is not meant to be an insult, but the truth is, Randy, in our listening audience, viewing audience, there is no God named Jehovah. Okay, the name Jehovah is not the name that God gave to Moses and eventually to the world through the revelation in the Torah. What happened was the ancient Hebrew, the Hebrew language does not have vowels in it. The Hebrew alphabet is all consonants. Mm -hmm. And so the Hebrew language was written in consonants and it was orally passed down. So how did you learn how to say something in Hebrew? You heard it. It was written in consonants, but you heard it. So for example, if you have two consonants, let's say in English, if you have a B and a T, but there's not a vowel in between it, 
all you had was a B and a T. So you're reading, it's B-T, but how would you know how to pronounce that? You'd need a vowel sound. So you would either have an A, bat, an I, bit, uh, U, butt. Is it bat, is it bit, or is it butt? How do we know? Because we have a vowel in between the B and the T. But in Hebrew, there's no vowel. So instead what happened was the sages that wrote copies of the sacred scrolls, they began to put accent markings above the consonant. And so you would know how the consonants connected by the accent marking that was above it. The accent markings function as vowel sounds. But when it came to God's sacred name, yud heh vav the ancient sages put the accent markings over the wrong place so that the pagan nations wouldn't learn how <laughs> to pronounce God's sacred name because they didn't want the nations to blasphemy. So that in combination with the fact, Randy, in our viewing, listening audience, that language changes over time. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you go into Jerusalem today, if you're in Israel and you visit Jerusalem, notice the sign as you enter Jerusalem. It'll say Jerusalem in English, you know, just as you would see it spelled J-E-R, you know, just as you would read it, Jerusalem, but then under it are the Hebrew letters. And the Hebrew letters don't say Jerusalem, they say Yah, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim. So eventually, the way that the language has progressed, people began pronouncing the Ya sound in the original Hebrew with the J. And so the fact that people began to pronounce the Ya sound with the J sound, and the fact that the ancient translators put the accent markings in the wrong place over the consonant, people began to refer to God as Jehovah. But there is no God as Jehovah. You know, we say there is no God, you know, there is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like Jehovah because that's not his name. But but God is that a dead ahead, giveaway that I'm a pagan if I if I say it that way. Well, hey, we've all been there, right? Um, but what what is beautiful here is that the Lord said to Moses, your forefathers, he said to them in Exodus 6, your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as El, that's God we talked about, El, and then Shaddai, Almighty. And the word Shaddai actually comes from a woman's breast. It's the, it's the word for breast. And so El Shaddai is our source, even as a mother's breast becomes the source of the infant. Mm. So that's a beautiful thing that the Lord is very tender and he's our provider, El Shaddai. But that wasn't his name, that was a title. Okay. The, 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 the name of God is yud heh vav -Hey, Yahweh, and it's, it's used about 7,000 times in the Hebrew Bible. Everybody from Moses on referred to him as yud heh vav -Hey. and most Semitic scholars believe it's pronounced a breathy Yahweh. But what happened was the, 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 the Hebrew people were so guarded against saying God's name eventually, uh, rabbinic Judaism and 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 the, and the culture that was coming up to the New Testament that uh, that time period that they stopped pronouncing his name because mm -hmm. they didn't want the pagans to learn it. Mm -hmm. But by the time Jesus comes on the scene, you don't see God's sacred name being pronounced. Yeshua calls him Father. But everybody from from Moses onward in the in the Old Testament called him by his name Yahweh, and all the all the all the things that Yahweh does for us in the covenant are connected to his name. You named it, Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Makadesh, 
Yahweh said canoe, Yahweh Rofecha, and on the list goes. God appeared to the Hebrew people at certain times in their journey where they needed him to do something for him. And so, for example, in Genesis 22, verse 14, we see Yahweh providing the lamb, Yahweh Yireh. Yahweh Yireh provided, provided the lamb for the, for the burnt offering. Um, so when the Israelites were getting sick, for example, at the waters of Marah, I know I'm getting, going a little fast, so I'm going to just pull back for, for a yeah. moment here. I'm going to be talking about the Lord, our healer, which is one of my favorite uh, covenant names of God, Yahweh Rofecha. So the children of Israel in uh, Exodus 15, 26 are sick from these waters that they're drinking. And so the Lord shows up and he tells Moses to take a hyssop branch and to, uh, to put the, the, the hyssop branch in the water there and he cleansed the waters so that the children of Israel wouldn't get sick. And then he said, I am Yahweh Rofecha or Yahweh Rofi, your healer. And so what this means is that God is not just far away in the heaven somewhere that can't help us with everyday problems. He can help us with our health. Mm -hmm. He's Yahweh Rofecha, the Lord, our healer. Okay. Uh, I, and I, love, I love all those. I mean, and you go through them so well uh, and, and explain the, the really characteristics um, of God. And, and if, some, if you want to really get into this, by the way, to know him by name is, is the book looks just like this. And it's, it's really wonderful because it, it shows us, I mean, it shows us who God is, who he reveals himself to be. Um, I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about when, when Jesus comes on the scene, um, he, you know, he referred, like you said, as father, uh, and that was a much less formal attribution, was it not? And, and what is, what is the significance of that? I'm curious what you what you see. Well, I think um, number one, I'm going to get to that. But if I could simply for a second, the, the the book to know him by name, discovering the Hebrew names of titles of God, is important in our relationship with Jesus and our understanding of who Yeshua is. Okay. Because Yeshua said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." Mm. And some of these Hebrew names of God reveal for us what God does for us in the person of Yeshua and through the workings of the Holy Spirit in our life, when we understand who God revealed himself to be mm -hmm. to the children of Israel, it helps us to take a grasp of who God wants to be for us now mm -hmm. as we're walking in covenant relationship with him in a much closer way than the children of Israel ever could because now he is, Randy, to your point, our father. Mm. Mm. And it's not that there weren't certain individuals in the Hebrew Bible that didn't have this sense of closeness. David certainly did. Mm -hmm. The Lord the Lord said of, of uh, Moses that I speak with Moses face to face as a man speaketh to a friend. So there were some yeah. incidents in the Hebrew scriptures where some particular individuals had this revelation of God's loving kindness and goodness. But as a whole, mankind was not brought into this revelation of intimacy and being able to relate to him as father 
And so Yeshua came and revealed it. That's why when Yeshua began to call him father, they accused him of blasphemy because yeah. he was calling God his own father. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, what did God tip his hand with in so many ways? We know Jesus healed, but also there's there's names like like sanctifier that, that mm-hmm. God gives himself in the Old Testament. That uh, is that not a foreshadowing of the work in Christ? I mean, absolutely and totally, and and I love it. That's in Leviticus twenty verse eight, where the Lord says, "I am Yahweh Makadesh, the Lord who." sanctifies you. Yeah. And what I love about that, Randy, and this is what I, what, I, what I try to help people understand, this is not just about information. This is about revelation of knowing who God wants to be for us and has given himself to be for us through the covenant he made with us in Jesus's blood. So for example, Yahweh Makadesh, I am the Lord, your sanctifier. Why is that important? And how can that be helpful for you and I and for other people that love God today? Because a lot of times what happens is we hear the message of the cross. We hear the message of Yeshua's atoning sacrifice, that God loves us right where we're at. And then if we come to him and receive his gift of salvation and forgiveness through the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us, we can go to heaven and be accepted by God. And all of us that have come to Jesus have accepted that message. The problem is subconsciously without realizing it, what happens to many of us, we hear that message, we start attending church or reading books, and somehow we get the idea that now in order to please God and to be right with God, that we have to perfect this salvation by our works. And we begin to move away from what was begun in the spirit Mm. to now taking a a, a bond of legalism over ourselves. And, and, and works are important. I mean, our works work with our faith. And it's a very, you have to be very aware to know if you're in the spirit or if you're in the flesh with works, because works are important. But when we are doing works, because we think that somehow we are making ourselves righteous by our own effort, that's where we've got a way into, into, into really practical heresy. So when we realize that God is our sanctifier, that he that began a good work in us is going to finish it that it's not by deeds of righteousness that we have done, Titus 3, 5, but by his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, that that's the way we get sanctified. Then what we do is we continue to rely on God to be our source. In in, in weakness, we depend on him. In, In neediness, we're looking to him to sanctify us, that he that began the work will complete it, not by our own works, but by his spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know it's it's funny we, we we tend to focus on on bearing the fruit. We're like we got to bear fruit, got to bear fruit, got to bear fruit. And Jesus said, "No, actually, you're the branches. You need to stay connected to the vine, because when a branch is connected yeah. to the vine in a healthy way, the fruit just happens. You don't have to try." And, and yeah. I, you know the it's interesting <laughs> you you being you know Rabbi Jewish. Um, because the, the dynamics shifted, you know, with Christ, and yet some of us want to go back to a, a lot of sort of we create this New Testament legalism a lot of times. I see, right? right. And wow. it's it's just just as dead. But uh, yeah, okay. Aside from that aspect of it, here's a question, a general question I have for you because this this comes into play a lot of Christians, especially American culture, Western culture, evangelical. 
we are a little guilty of saying, okay, old covenant is the old covenant. It's fulfilled. Christ fulfilled it. It's it's passed. And we, you know, we maybe read Psalms because it makes us feel good or a couple of Proverbs we, we put on a stitch on a pillow or something. But to me, I, the, the more I understand the Jewish roots of Christianity, the more I feel like I understand Christ. And, and that's why I, I really like this book in particular, because I, I don't think we fully understand God unless we understand sort of this, this arc of history of the relationship of man to God, and it starts with, you know, the, the early covenants, Moses and Abraham and the Jewish people, you know, I, how, how much how much of understanding the Jewishness of our God is important to even understanding him? Well, I think it's, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I think it's just like foundational. I mean, number one, it, it, it is by the revelation of the Holy Spirit through the grace of God that we know him. So I just want to, first of all, say it's, it's, it's based, first of all, on revelation. God himself reveals himself to individuals by his Holy Spirit. And he does it in such a way that those that he's putting his finger on know that they're hearing the truth and they respond to the call. Mm. That's why Jesus said in, in John 6, no one can come to me unless it's been granted from the Father. All the Father gives to me will come to me. And he that comes to me in no wise will be cast out. Jesus said in John 10, you believe not because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. So the first thing I would say is that deeper even than understanding the Hebrew Bible is simply the sovereign grace of God through the Holy Spirit yeah. reaching out to individuals whom he chose and predestined to be his yeah. before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians chapter 1 and Romans 8 through, uh, through, not, through uh, actually uh, through 11. And I could go on with that. So I want to, first of all, say that. But secondly, beyond that, to have a, a biblical foundation, I mean, to, to, to be grounded in our hearts with the truthfulness of the doctrine of Christ, of the doctrine of the new covenant, we have to know the Hebrew Bible yeah. because without it, it's like trying to lay a house with no foundation. I mean, you can build a house on the ground, but you know, eventually that house is probably gonna collapse. It's not gonna be too strong. Or you can build your house on a foundation of cement or block or rock or whatever it is. And for example, I mean, the most simple uh, uh, elementary things like the sufficiency of Jesus's atonement. But we don't understand how the only way in the Hebrew Bible that God forgave sin was through a sacrificial blood atonement. Well, we don't understand that mm -hmm. and see that and are not grounded in that in the Hebrew Bible, that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, that the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb, that the holiest day of the, of the Jewish year is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when an innocent animal was sacrificed for the sins of Israel and its blood was placed upon the Holy of Holies. When we don't understand that people that wanted to meet God in the wilderness at the, at the, at the, uh, at the, in the tabernacle and then the temple, they came with the blood sacrifice for their sin. When we don't understand that it was only by an innocent animal shedding its blood and dying in the place of the guilty, that the guilty could stand before the creator. If we don't understand that, 
Then we're going to be like people that, oh, I, I go to church, I, I believe in Jesus, <laughs> right. but, but who, are, who am I to say that these people are wrong? And who do, am I to say that these people are wrong? Mm. Like, Jesus is good for me, but, you know, I, I respect everybody's path. No, when you know that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no way to the Father but through me, and that it's only through his shed blood mm. that sin can be forgiven, and you get that grounding from knowing your Hebrew Bible, then you're going to be standing on a foundation and you're going to be prepared to witness and also to live through the age and the powers of darkness that we're going to be facing in the times to come. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So right. And also another aspect, and I know we don't have time for this, but is understanding the idea of covenant and what that looks like and why Jesus, when he said, you know, or when Paul said we have a new and better covenant, I think it was Paul that said that, but the New Testament, New Covenant, with Christ is a new and better when you understand the old you can appreciate better than new that's my two cents last question for you rabbi um <laughs> this is not in my notes by the way okay. this, this is okay. when we address God today is there a good way a better way right way wrong way how do, how should we address God today well, I would first of all say that I think the biggest area that I could help people with in answering the question, and there's many different places that I could speak to, it's a little bit like a diamond, but the most fundamental truth in relationship to that question, how do we address God today? The biggest help that I could put out there to the church at large is if you listen to many, 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 many Christians praying, they're always going to be praying to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They always begin their prayer praying to Jesus and they end their prayer in Jesus' name. And I want to say that fundamentally that is um, is not biblical in the sense that it is, it, is, it, is, um, it is a bit warped. And here's why I say that. You can pray to Jesus. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a scripture, Jesus said, anything you ask me in my name, I will do. So it's yeah. okay to pray to Jesus. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, it's not the primary model of what Jesus taught us or what the New Testament teaches us. Jesus say, when you pray, pray in this way, our Father hmm. who art in heaven. Every one of Paul's letters began by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father is the one that sent the Son. The Father is the one that sent to Son to bring us to Himself. Listen, Jesus is not the destination. He is the way to the destination. The Father is the destination, and Jesus is the way to the destination. This is in no way bringing down Jesus, but it's trying to correct the air in the church that they've made it all about Jesus, excluding the Father. And I'm wanting to call people back to the Father in Jesus' name, in no way lowering Jesus, all glory and honor forever and ever to the Lamb that was slain. But Jesus called us in a relationship with the Father. That's very interesting. That's not what I was expecting to hear. But now you've got me thinking. And, that, and that's, that's what you do, Rabbi. You always make me think more, and I appreciate that. All right, I want to show people your website real quick. This is Discovering thejewishjesus.com if you want to follow up there's a lot of great resources and see i think you get what i was talking about when i entered this every time i talk to rabbi schneider i i go away thinking about things uh and it's good and i appreciate that is there anything you want to add before i let you go i love i love the conversations and i appreciate our time today brother just to tell you i love you and thank you for having me on as a guest today oh well we'll do this anytime all right there's something for you to think about. You can leave your 
thoughts in the comments uh, section if you're watching on platforms got the comments uh, if you haven't liked, followed, su subscribed, I would appreciate you doing that. You'll get a notification. And uh, hit the share button let people know. And uh, check out the book. It's available right now wherever you get books. It's called To Know Him By Name. We'll see you next time here on Life Today Live. You need to know what God's book says. This is God's word, brother. It's God's book.